0: That's a terrible call that
1: is a terrible call round the steal jaden
0: load of candles out keeps your head
1: agitated on the bounce come on reps get with
0: the game here it's another win with 15 and 5 and 8 and 0 at home still undefeated in the TD Garden welcome back to the Celtics pod I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by my co-host, Brendan Nunez.
1: What is going on? Like you said, still undefeated at home, Adam, and played a very good Miami Heat team. Uh, Miami was coming off the second night of a back-to-back. They just played in Toronto the night before and went into an overtime game, so that was notable. But this was a good win against a very quality team. You know, the Celtics have been beating up a lot of lower level teams so it was good to get a little bit of a statement win against one of the top of the east
0: yeah and it was entertaining by the way i called you my coast that's the way i'm going to be abbreviating co-host i like it i like it too coast to coast but no we played really well it was entertaining we we went down in the first had to make some changes towards the second obviously everybody's seeing the the applause that Shemi Ojale has been getting, he came in and had 24 consecutive minutes on the course, completely turned around the Celtics defense when he was on the floor. He was a huge part in this turn, this comeback and the win. He was. Grant started,
1: uh, didn't end up with all too many minutes. 18 is a okay little bit for him, especially after some DNPs. But they, they were trying a lot defensively, they being the Celtics. For a little while there, they even had Cantor and Robert Williams on the floor together, which was uh, interesting to say the least. And Shemi Ojale came in and really provided that defensive spark that we kind of hoped for him to have. I think playing against a guy like a Adebayo Myers Leonard is good for him where they're not the quickest um, and they really rely on their strength. We know Shemmy is the muscle factory over there and pulled down seven rebounds for himself as well, too. I believe there were a couple charges in there, I remember. So Shemmy definitely had a nice game here.
0: Yeah, he was doing the hustle plays as well. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was cutting off lanes, driving lanes. Anytime somebody tried to cut or move off ball, he was there. He was blocking those. He was closing out really well on pin downs as well, making sure he didn't get caught there. He he was a defensive anchor. It was great to see him doing some of the stuff that we missed because Marcus Smart wasn't there. He's If he plays like this, he's going to have a role on this team for a long time. His shots are falling a bit better. Only won this game. But in general, his shooting has been quite improved over the last few games as well definitely and that's what needs to happen for him to really
1: be staying on the floor we know the impact that he can have on the defensive end of at least not making any mistakes i don't think he makes highlight plays necessarily on defense but just being in the right spot and not making mistakes is is being a good defender and you you know you mentioned a little bit um before we hopped
0: on here that you've been a little under impressed with grant recently as well right yeah, a little bit. I mean, he makes, he's still making the right plays defensively more often than not. His shot's going to come. It's not something that's worrying me personally. I feel like he's still figuring out NBA range. He was never a big three-point shooter in college. It's something he's been asked to work on. You can't really judge him this early into his career. But there are things that get to me, like, and a lot of it's just experience-based. its It's something that's going to come the more he plays. But it's the way he's susceptible to over-help. He can get crossed up quite easily sometimes. Sometimes I feel like he's too flat footed, so when people really put the jets on him, he's he he's that step behind them before he even he even gets into the chase down. And he doesn't have the athleticism to really rise up to try and contest a shot once he's already been beat off the mark. Are you, are you thinking of Adebayo when you said he gets blown past? <laughs> he got crossed up in the first quarter by Adebayo, dude. And that's fine. Like you're gonna, It's the NBA. You're going to get crossed up. The difference is, like, next time, as soon as you see that crossover coming, slide your feet, get in the way. If you draw the charge, you draw the charge. If you draw a blocking foul, you draw a blocking foul. But try something different the second time and, and see what works. You've got to figure out as much as, like, look, as you guys all learn, like I do a lot of um, combat martial arts. I have done for years. The one thing that's always been said to me is figure out what works for your body. What what one guy can do doesn't mean you can do it. So if you're not the quickest guy, figure out how to get in front of your man by sliding your feet, by trying to stay on his hip. And Grant Williams plays really smart defense most of the time. It's just these he's having lapses and the problem is, that's occurring at the moment is these lapses are becoming more frequent than his actual intellectual moments. And I don't want it to become a habit that he has more bad defensive players than good because then he's bringing no value to the team at that point.
1: And most rookies, you hope to see flashes the other way, where you kind of expect a decent amount of mistakes from rookies and then hope to see flashes of optimism. But being a four-year rookie and really coming out the gate strong, we kind of have high expectations for Grant. And I think those are warranted, but I agree with what you're saying. I think that there's been more lapses um, in a negative way. And especially on the offensive end. I I think I give what you're saying with the defense. I think figuring out what really is best for him there uh, will come with time, but the offensive system, he still feels like he's really getting used to it. Like in regards to dribble handoffs or, relocating and spacing on the perimeter i feel like there's been a couple of times where he's standing right next to someone and they're trying to tell him where to position so it feels like a lot of it is just getting comfortable in the celtic system you know it's not things that worry me necessarily long term but right now there is uh some growing pains that are, we're starting to see with grant
0: for sure dude and there's a legitimate chance that if shemi keeps playing this way he's going to start eating into the minutes that grant's been getting
1: yeah, they're a very similar similar role. I, I think that Grant can play the five and Shemmy can't. But, you know, this uh, I guess they're tweeners in a different way. Like Shemmy is a 3-4, Grant is a 4-5. But most of the time, I feel like they're going to be playing at that four spot. So I, I definitely could see that happening. And then what did you... Uh, what do you think of Ennis Kanter in this game? It was a really rough matchup for him, and he didn't get any run in the second half. Only six minutes all game.
0: To me, that makes sense. You want to put him in positions to match up against guards, that, guards to guard against other centers that are big bodies that like to bang down low. When you're against guys that are athletic, like Adebayo, who like to stretch the floor, like Leonard, this isn't going to be your game. It's, it's not suited to your play style. And the one good thing about having this type of hockey rotation of bigs is that you can plug and play depending on the matchups, which is why Robert Williams got more of a run due to his athleticism, being able to close guys out on the line, force them into the paint, and then be able to either catch them if he's, be, if he's been beaten off the dribble or to stay in front of them if they're trying to get to the room. So that made sense to me. It was also interesting to see the time when Time Lord and Tice were both on the floor at the same time. But I weren't too worried about Canton not really getting a run out. I mean, he had that nice post up against the in the I think it was in the first or the second, and he, um, he spun him off and got a nice little layup at the rim, that's cool. But it's not going to be what you... It's not the matchup you expect Canton to start really feasting on. So just let him sit. Don't don't put him in a position to lose confidence.
1: Right, Cantor's there to rebound, Uh, and against uh, defensive centers or centers that are spacing the floor on the offensive end, he is not going to be utilized effectively. So I totally agree with what you're saying there with Rob getting those minutes over him, and I'm really happy that Brad is not just feeling a need to give Cantor all this run because the Celtics paid him a two-year almost $10 million deal, I'm happy that you know, Brad is just going to play the guy that's right for the situation and not get affected by the contracts. And I think that we're going to start to see in, especially down the stretch here, and I'm looking a little bit far ahead, that the Celtics are going to need Tice to play a lot of minutes. I think there's going to be important games where Tice is playing 35 minutes because it's such a fall off after Tice comes out of the game and you're looking at either Cantor or Robert Williams.
0: Yeah, completely. The only thing I'd say to counter that is there's probably a fall off on the other teams lineup too. Because these guys that are coming off the bench in you know Rob Williams, Cantor, Grant Williams possibly, they're matching up against the other team's second units big. For sure. I think there's a
1: couple outliers, but that is definitely the case most of the time um one other thing I want to ask you what do you think about Jimmy Butler being guarded by Jason Tatum?
0: Tatum's been sneaky good on defense all year to be fair dude I mean Jimmy Butler was putting the smoke on whoever he could get in for whoever was in front of him he just had one of them nights he was coming off the back of his first career triple double he was feeling himself it was good to see Tatum start to get a chance to be guarding another team's primary option. So, because Tate has been, you know, the last few games I've been really impressed with the way he's reading passing lanes and getting those steals and getting out in transition. He stays in front of guys really well. He's long, he's athletic. Usually he's guarding the second or third option on a team. No Marcus smart. Let's see what he can do against Jimmy Butler. I want to see... And I'm going to look this up while you give me your opinion. I want to see how he actually did against Butler.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously the Celtics do switch a lot. But, you know, coming up the floor, Jay- Jason was the guy that was it was covering him there. And by the way, he's like this plus minus God because he was again plus 31 in this game, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Butler is just is a monster. 37 points in this game. With six rebounds, four assists, he hits some crazy difficult shots. And, yeah, I mean, having a closer is something that so many teams are missing. Like, we saw Philadelphia missing it, and they were different when when Jimmy came over. Miami had a great group of role players, but now having a go-to guy when you just need a bucket, or we saw him take over for Miami in the Toronto overtime, I believe he scored six or eight points in a row to start overtime on a run of his own, it just puts Miami on another level here. And Miami also did not have uh, Goran Dragic. That's a big loss for them, who quietly was an all-star. Actually, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he made it because Blake Griffin missed it with an injury. Um, so, yeah, I think Miami – just looked tired from a second night of a back to back. Do you got those numbers, possibly? Of course I do. Come on, man. You know me.
0: <laughs> okay, so he guided him for a total of four minutes and fifty two seconds on the defense. Obviously while he was under. He held him to two or four from the field, so fifty percent. And one of three from three, so thirty three percent. So that's five points during so it's just about a point a minute, which isn't great, but he smoked um I mean, he smoked Jalen Brown in similar minutes. He got twelve points on Jalen Brown in four minutes, so he done well. I mean, the team put up nineteen points as a collective while Jimmy Butler was being guarded by Tatum, but Butler had no direct hand in any of those other points. So Tatum actually nullified him, probably the best out of anybody that guarded him for over a two-minute span. Let me just look. It's definitely
1: been promising his defense. I think even in this game, he had he had three blocks this game, which is which is great for him. Interestingly, his career high in blocks is actually six, which I would have not expected. But he had a really nice help side block on Adebayo. and Tatum just quietly has been a promising defender for since he's really been in the league, but his offense overshadows it.
0: Another guy I want to give props to is Kemba Walker. I feel like this was one of the best performances he's had in Green.
1: I would agree. I think that
0: Miami was doing this drop coverage
1: with either, especially Myers Leonard. It felt like the Celtics were attacking at first. And Leonard was just so deep uh, when he was guarding those pick and rolls. He's like sitting at the nail. And Kemba Walker has turned all of his mid-range looks into three-pointers coming off those screens this year. And Kemba was knocking them down. It felt like Tatum was doing it a bit at first, but yeah, Kemba was getting whatever he wanted. I was like, man, if they don't get more aggressive on this on this drop, if they don't start blitzing him, then Kemba is going to do whatever he wants. I will literally run this pick and roll all game if this is how they're going to guard it. And they started to switch it a little bit. They started to blitz both Kemba and Tatum. And man, that's when Jalen really started to take over.
0: Yeah. Uh just before we go into Jalen, I do want to say that Kemba was dropping fifty four point five percent up from deep. So that's six of eleven from free. He yeah. was orchestrating, he was probing, he was he was driving, seeing how the defense would react. There was a few times where he was just leaving guys guessing on his way to the hoop. Um, he did it to Adebayo in the third, actually. And Tommy, when he was announcing, actually made a point of saying, look, everybody was guessing, dude. He drove in, stepped, went fate left, went right, then went back under the basket and come up with a hook. It was just smooth. Everything he did was full of confidence. He knew where he wanted to go. And then, as you say, they started to blitz, he tried to keep the ball out of Tatum's hands, tried to keep the ball out of Walker's hands. You can't do that and ex- not expect somebody else to get the ball in their hands, and that's where Jalen Brown came in. 5 of 9 from deep, 10 of 20 from the field. Dude, what, 6 for 8 from the free throw line. He had a game and that. Dude, he's so improved this year. That contract's a steal if he carries on like oh, this. Oh, man, which is crazy to me.
1: Um, what are the most impressive plays – is that he crossed Jimmy Butler at one point in that third quarter. The game started to get out of hand, so part of me was like Jimmy didn't look fully locked in. But being able to get one-on-one separation against Jimmy Butler for a jump shot is just so different for Jalen this year. Um, having a threat of a left hand now, such a tighter handle, I forget exactly what it was. I want to say that he that he like crossed right behind the back and then did another cross from right to left and a slight step back, and it just got Jimmy leaning because Jalen is such a threat to drive to the basket. He had such a variety of people guarding him. Atabayo, I thought, actually, did a ridiculously good job at guarding Jimmy at guarding Jalen. Excuse me to start the game. Jalen couldn't really get past him with his quick first step, which is just speaks volumes about Adebayo. I think he's been absurdly good this year on both ends of the ball, but then Jalen really learned to actually go through at a bit sometimes. like Jalen is starting to have the full package on offense, and I used to get so frustrated with him going iso, but at this year, I'm a lot more comfortable with it.
0: Keith Smith said it in a tweet, Jalen Brown's no longer a potential scorer, he's just a scorer. Yeah, he really is. And that was a really good way to summarize it. And then you tagged me in a tweet from Kevin O'Connor. Yeah. Where he put that video up of how Jalen's handle was back in college. And then he kind of put a few clips in from his first and second year. And then now. And it's a diff- it's a completely different handle. It's so tight. He can pretty much go wherever he wants to on the floor. He's he the first elevates, person down the floor all the time. And dude, I love the way he elevates above everybody else before releasing the ball just to see what their reaction is and then adjust accordingly that's utilizing your athleticism to its max for sure while, while we're talking about handles though dude add the bios handles nice for a guy his size
1: yeah it's definitely unexpected i i uh Went to the California Classic Summer League and not last year, but the year before, Adebayo's sophomore year, they had him playing point in Summer League. He is so promising. And like I mentioned, the defensive end, he can switch on to guards. If I could pick any center in the league for the Celtics to take, you know, there's. Uh, I should probably take that back because there's some like superstars like Cat and stuff. But Bam would be the most perfect
0: guy. Oh my God. I am crushing on Bam at That's bio. I mean, dude, I don't blame you, dude. He's playing phenomenally well. Yeah. He's had a really good start to the year. I don't know if I'd say, other than, well, yeah, other than the superstars, he's definitely one of the best centers in the league that could really help us. Yeah. The that went quiet, though, that I was really excited to see against us was Kendrick Nunn.
1: Yeah, he's promising. You know, he's got a nice shot to him there as well, but he just, things were not falling for him. I, I think that he seemed like he wasn't fully getting his legs under him. A lot of this game, I really credit to Miami looking tired and out of it. And Eric Ulster wasn't there because he was traveling for the birth of his second daughter. So it really was just a very unique situation for Miami. It was one of those what you would call a scheduled loss. So I almost put more towards that. Celtics still had to execute, and they did. But really quick to go back to Jalen, one of the other things that has blown me away this year is his three-point shooting. In his sophomore year, he really came out as being a great three-point shooter, 39.5% from three. Last year, he struggled. It came back down to 34. This year, he's back up to 38% from three. He's almost 50% from the field. He's being so efficient and hit two big back-to-back threes in this game.
0: His three-point shooting, did. I feel like we're just going to be repeating this for the entire year, so I don't want to use every superlative I have now because then I'm not going to have anything to say on monday it's ridiculous it's the only way you can describe it The, the jump he's made overall has been just amazing it feels like he it to me it's like now he's got that extension he wants to justify the fact that he got that extension but five of nine in this last game he's i mean i haven't pulled up his um season stats for his three-point shooting today because that would have changed after yesterday's game but dude he's uh he's stretching the floor and the thing is as well because he's hitting those threes it's opening up the driving lane for him which is just utilizing his entire repertoire his his athleticism his speed you know he gets the ball out on on the perimeter now guys want to close out on him and then he can beat them there his passing's right. been quite good as well. I I feel like he's uh learning to read and react to situations a lot quicker. His off-ball movement's becoming better as well. His free-throw his free shooting's improving as well, which is good because he's getting to the line a lot more because players don't want to have to, you know, allow him to get to the hoop. Yeah. And I saw another thing that got put out today. Again, I think it was Keith Smith. God damn, I'm crushing on Keith Smith today was um you don't see many, I think it was actually in his um takeaways article where it's, you don't see many plays from Jalen Brown now that make you jump out your chair. And that's because he's attacking the game more within the offense than he is individual moments of brilliance. And that's when you know that a player's maturing. When you can see he's still putting up 20, 25, 30 a night, but he's doing it in such an understated way because he's playing within the flow of the team. And that's, a jump that you want to see a fourth year player may
1: yeah you definitely do it, it's been it's been great this year he only had 14 games last year of scoring 20 points or higher and so far this year he already has 10 of them um he definitely is putting himself in the most improved player conversation. I think that's a great point by Keith that you don't see these crazy highlights anymore because he's not as reliant on his athleticism. He utilizes it very effectively, but I don't think that he's reliant on it, which is which is becoming great for him. I'm feeling really comfortable about that contract at this point after being a little skeptical for for a bit. And man, Teams cannot blitz Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum when you have Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward back. Like, Celtics are going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's come at a great time because the league's gone to like a, a duo mentality. So you've got your two stars and then everybody else. We, we're fortunate in the sense that we've got four of those guys. So you can blitz two of them, fine. There's two more that can score. So it's going to be really interesting once we start playing some of these teams like the Lakers. I want to see how we do against the Clippers again. I feel like we're more than capable of beating Philly the next time we see them. They're having a tough time at the moment. I really, really think that we're, we're in a position that if we can figure out our centre rotation moving forward, we're going to be a force in the East, dude.
1: I think so it looks like that's already the case but I think that's a good way to transition to our next segment here where we'll we'll get into the name of it when we come back but are you good to move on from the recap
0: of this Miami game man yeah man I'm good did you want to take a break before we come back let everybody hear our advertisements let's do it So we've got a new segment for you guys. We're going to be doing this segment once a week. Moving forwards, we're going to try and get some interviews going on. We're going to be trying to go as deep as possible with this. As this is the first time we're running this segment, we're going to keep it quite surface level, and we'll try and peel a layer off each time we come back to it. So, Brendan, take it away. What's this segment called, and what's it about? All right. So
1: you got to know your enemies. And the Celtics have a couple at the top of the Eastern Conference, mainly those that are competing and have potential to come out of the East, Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Miami Heat. You got to know your enemies. And because of that and where that comes from, we are calling this the smart of
0: war. I actually got this quote from Marcus Smart. He was like, pressure comes from and when you don't know what you're doing. like If you put the work in, you put the time and the effort in, you should be confident in that and, and, and shouldn't question it. And failure wouldn't even be an option.
1: So the first team that we are going to dive into is the rivals of the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers. And often for these segments, we'll have guest that covers that team come on and share their insight. But for now, it's just going to be us checking in on the enemies, keeping up with them because going to face them a couple times this year. Obviously the Sixers are in the same division as the Celtics already played them one time this year in the opener where both teams were not fully comfortable, obviously, but Philadelphia 15 and six. And, have been benefits
0: of a weaker schedule similarly to the Celtics, Adam? They have been. They just haven't been getting it done as much as we have. I mean, they're not that bad, to be fair. I just uh, I feel like for the roster they've got and all the hype that surrounded them coming into the season, they haven't been as – what would be the best way to put this? They haven't been the premium basketball-producing team as what many would have expected them to have been. Yeah, it
1: it was definitely thought that they were the two right behind Milwaukee, and it was clear, you know, and it doesn't quite feel like that. Milwaukee kind of feels in a tier of their own right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're struggling to take care of the ball. Um, You know, they're averaging what's that, 16? There's 27th in the league for turnovers, dude. Uh, They're struggling quite a lot to handle the ball. They're still trying to figure out how best to integrate Al Hawthorne. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think that they're lacking shooters they're lacking some smaller guys that can push the pace they're 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 quite a large team in terms of height they're they're going to go through some teething issues i still think they're going to be a really really tough team to beat they're definitely a force in the east it's just going to take a while for them to really figure out what works best for them Right. Spacing definitely
1: was the questions with the Sixers going into the year. And there's a couple things that I think will even out that will help them. Uh, Thibel, who the Celtics actually traded to the 76ers, it was the 20th pick. And I don't remember off the top of my head what picks they got in return. But Carson Edwards was 33. And then some other pick in the 20s was Ty Jerome that was traded to the Phoenix Suns it as part of dumping the Aaron Payne's contract. So that trade doesn't look great for the Celtics, but Bible has been great for the Sixers. He's been a beast on the defensive end. At times he's a little too aggressive there and tries to do a little too much and, and is a little too risky. He's extremely similar to Robert Covington in the fact that he's insane off ball. He's so active there and you would hope that he's hitting a three-point shot, the 76ers would. and he's 43% from deep. Um, as nice as his shot has looked, it's not going to stay at 43%. I don't think he's an elite three-point shooter. If he is, that is an amazing steal for the Sixers to get. But I think that's also being countered by Mike Scott being 32% from three. Uh, Tobias Harris being 29% from three. So I think that'll sort of start to even out here. Right now they're dead middle in three-point percentage. I'd kind of expect them to stay around there. And yeah, just some, some of the basic numbers. They're 17th in offensive rating, but third in defensive. And that's obviously where you expect this Philly team to really have their impact is on the defensive end having three, four all-NBA-level defenders in Simmons, Richardson, Horford, and Embiid. They're really, like you said, obviously staggering Horford and Embiid. And this is one of the matchups that, like we were talking about earlier, where I think that the Celtics are really going to get screwed when Tice is not on the floor in regards to one of Horford or Embiid. I don't know if I feel comfortable with, part of me almost thinks, like, do you put Cantor on Embiid? Because Cantor's historically done okay against him and if Embiid is just trying to really back people down but Cantor never feels like a viable option for guarding anybody really um, but yeah the Sixers have been getting it done on the defensive end and and rebounding the ball well as well um, and they they pass the ball extremely well also their fifth in assists Uh, And that comes with the high turnovers as well. So they're moving the ball a lot. It's not always on target, but they definitely share. And I think that there's just some kind of growing pains that they're going through right now. Pretty much exactly what you had said there.
0: I mean, when you're saying put Cantor on Embiid, that's okay. But we've just saw that Brad's kind of not unwilling, but he's hesitant to put Cantor to guard any big that wants to play outside of the three point line. And traditionally a back to the basket player, but he is taking what nearly four threes a game. Now? Yeah. I mean, but I think that's
1: what you want him to do,
0: you know? Yeah, he's 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 scoring at 31.3%. So it's below league average, but it's still just shy of one in every three shots. So he'll hit one of four. I'd prefer him to play outside, that's fine. However, I wouldn't mind seeing how in you know, a limited Minutes and I'd like to see this in regular season. Obviously, how Robert Williams fares against him. We've seen some growth from Rob Williams this year. I want to see how Rob Williams does against Joel Embiid.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think we definitely are going to get to see it because Tice is somebody that, for as good as he has been defensively, is not the strongest guy and is a little bit shorter there as well. With Joel Embiid just being an absolute mammoth down low. So Rob will get some some chances there for sure, and we saw this team at the start of the year. The Celtics did, and ended up losing ninety three to one hundred and seven, where Ben Simmons had twenty four points and and nine assists. And you know, really quick on Simmons, is he like to me? He reminds me of Rondo so much. Do you
0: see that? Yeah, he's just a taller version of Rondo.
1: Which is not a bad thing
0: at all. I like people say that to slander him, but Rondo was so good in his prime. I do think Rondo was a better defender. And I know Ben Simmons is a... Oof. I don't know. But I feel like Rondo was more... Okay, so I don't feel like... Sim. I feel like... How can I put this? Rondo was a more intense defender. He he took it personally when you scored on him.
1: That's fair. I, I think that Rondo was a better guard defender um but simmons versatility with his size puts him okay, yeah, over that, for that, me
0: that's fair i can deal with that that's that's acceptable yeah I but, still, i'm still not a big fan of ben simmons
1: yeah i don't blame you
0: <laughs> and uh it's that but, twitter thing dude every time he puts a tweet out it's just a <laughs> it drives me is like what's it about dude give me some context
1: Yeah, I forgot you had said that. And I looked through every Ben Simmons tweet and I swear every other one does have that emoji with the blowing smoke out of its nose. With no context. Yeah, that's the whole thing. But uh, Josh Richardson has been great for this team as well. I think that it's interesting that he's been a lot of their offensive creation where, yeah, I mean, Simmons and Embiid on the floor at the same time. It's really interesting how those guys don't seem like a great match together on the floor. You know, Um, when one of them is really dominating the ball, the other one doesn't feel like he's being used effectively. Um, I know their numbers are very good when they're both on the floor together, but it's an interesting change in styles. Tobias Harris really needs to start hitting that shot for him to be successful. And, you know, when, when the Sixers played the Kings the other day, and Richardson went out, that's the game that Richardson got injured in. They brought in uh, freaking Corkmas, and that man cannot play defense. He can shoot a three ball, and they definitely need that. But Buddy healed started to go off the second he was not guarded by Josh Richardson, and then they take out Corkmas and put in ball. and all of a sudden Buddy Hield can't score again. But it's a really give and take. If Bible's hitting his three but he's definitely not the same threat as Korkmaz, who's shooting more than double the amount of attempts, even though it's on a worse percentage. Like I said, Thibault's 43% is not going to stay that way. Um, But the bench of the Sixers team is where the question is. It's very similar to the Celtics team, actually, in that regard.
0: It is, and they're they're another one of these teams that has more than two stars. They're actually really, really similar to the way the Celtics are built. They've just got that bit more defensive power than what we do. Al going to be Al Hallford, He's going to anchor them. He's going to steady the ship whenever it starts to get a bit choppy waters. If they start, you know, basketball's a, games of run, a game of runs. So when they're on a, the bad end of a run, Al going to be the one to keep level heads. Corkmas is still young, dude. I mean, he's, what, 22? He is shooting quite a lot of threes though, 4.7 a game. Five I'd expect that during crunch time, five minutes will go down, like as the season progresses and games start meaning more. But that all depends on, like you said, can he sustain this three-point shooting percentage? They do have Kylo Quinn, who's a solid vet coming off as well. Another big guy, likes to bang down. Like he'll be the sort of guy I'd like to see Kan to match up with. But he's, What's he getting in minutes per game? He's only playing like nine minutes a game. Right, it's uh, it's interesting.
1: And then you know the two Josh backup Richard point guards. Yeah, he's he's no joke. He's been legitimately great for them this year.
0: And he's 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 primarily their their player that guards the opposing point guard, and he does it phenomenally well.
1: Yeah, we saw him do a great job against Kemba in game one. Richardson is is very good at that. And they're a switch-heavy team similar to the Celtics and can do that pretty effectively. There's not a crazy weakness defensively on this team. You know, maybe Tobias Harris, that's why I mentioned Corkmaz when he comes in, uh, definitely is that. But if you're looking at the starting lineup, you kind of dug up what the matchups were in regards to who guarded who for. Who guard? Who on the Celtics guarded the Sixers? And maybe we can go through each of these and tell me how you feel about each one of these matchups. Yeah, um, that's fine, dude. Easiest one is Tyson and Embiid. You kind of have to put a big on them, right?
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a second option there. I feel like Tyson's the number one guy to guard Embiid. Right? I don't know. I mean, Embiid should win that matchup ten out of ten times.
1: Right, and that's what it's reliant on. And Embiid is getting double teamed a lot this year uh, because you want to make him a playmaker out of the post. And while he's shown promise and improvement in doing that, that's still definitely what you what you prefer to make Embiid do. I think that as much as Embiid likes to say he's got real estate in other people's head, Embiid definitely seems to get into his own head. You know, Marcus Soul, uh he scored zero points against him. We know how he does against Al Horford. So I think if you can start early in shutting Embiid down, he there's been so many times where I just don't see that killer instinct in him unless it starts early in the game.
0: Yeah, he lives in his own head as much as he lives in everybody else's. He's just good at hiding. First of all, just before we go, in game one, Cantor actually guarded Embiid for six minutes, held him to three or seven from the field and one or two from deep. He was okay. I mean, he held him to eight points and two assists. I mean, he's I our think. strongest center, right? I'd, I'd assume so. I mean, he's the biggest. He's like He's got the biggest body. He's got the widest frame. It's just... It's a telling point that Enes Cantor was the guy to match up with him for the largest portion of time. And he did admirably against one of the league's best centers.
1: Yeah, it's... You could try it for a little while, you know. And
0: yeah, like I say, I said I used the word admirably,
1: for sure. And then the second one we saw here is Jalen's been guarding a lot of fours, Jalen Brown on Al Horford, and this is going through the starting lineups. This doesn't have Smart in it.
0: No, it doesn't. Not for the first game. No, it doesn't. I mean, do you expect to see Marcus Smart defend Jahlil Embiid? No, he cannot do that. No, he cannot do that. He'll get, and I don't think he'd get eaten. I think he'd do okay, but the size difference is just too much. Going back to Al Hawthorne, Jalen Brown guided him in game one. Two minutes, 34 seconds, held him to 0 of 2. I mean, Hawthorne didn't score, period. Didn't assist, didn't score, just couldn't do anything. But it was such a small sample size that it's really hard to decide whether that was just, because of the way the team was playing, what was the run like, what was going on on the court at that moment in time, or did Brown really just lock him up?
1: Yeah, I think Horford also is one to take a step back when he's trying to get acclimated to a new team, and that being the very first game that they have played together could have factored into that. But that's probably who I'm most comfortable with guarding that for. I think that Jalen showed an ability to do that, obviously, in uh the team usa
0: and that's why the Celtics have been doing it this year so I think that you can get away with that I wouldn't be shocked to see Shemi given some minutes if he carries on defending like he did in the Miami game I was thinking Grant a little bit here too Grant was the first guy that passed through my mind when we first started talking about the Sixers like five ten minutes ago but then thinking about it Shemi's more experienced Al Horford's one of them guys that will go so deep in his bag of tricks that a rookie's really going to struggle to contain him. Semi's kind of been around him. He was a teammate of him for years. It just – I'd rather Semi have those minutes simply because he's guided Al Horford in practice for years. Yeah, I
1: understand that for sure. Um, next one we got here is the first straight-up matchup, really, is Hayward on Tobias Harris. Hayward should
0: win that all day long.
1: I think so too, especially with how Hayward's been playing this year. Um, And then it starts to get a little interesting. You know, you got Kemba Walker on Josh Richardson because you don't want to put him on Simmons.
0: Okay, so using the analogy you just used with Al Horford, it was game one, getting acclimated to a new system. I feel like what we saw from Kemba in game one when he was guided by Josh Richardson is a similar sort of instant. Instance of that, Kemba's first game in Boston, new system, new teammates. And then you're up against somebody that's a lockdown defender like Josh Richardson. It's not the best and easiest of starts. Now Kemba's used to it and he's got his feet under the table. He's starting to have regular, regular good games for us. I'd expect Kemba to, to win that battle. On the offensive end, I think On um, both probably just because Kemba's been sneaky good defense. Like remember at the start of the year when we were saying like we didn't expect Kemba to be this good on day?
1: Yeah, I definitely see that. I do still really worry about him guarding Josh
0: Richardson though. And then what do you think of Tatum guarding Simmons? That's uh that's gonna be an interesting matchup moving forwards. I mean uh they've both got length, they're both athletic. But Ben Simmons when he's coming down the floor on a full head of steam going driving towards the rims just impossible to stop, dude.
1: Yeah, it, it's a very interesting one. And it's another where, you know, we saw how Shemi really guarded against Giannis, a guy that tries to overpower you. I think that he could be interesting guarding Simmons, and definitely Marcus Smart feels like this type of matchup as well. But
0: Tatum Tatum can hold his own here. Yeah, he can, I think he's got a possibility of staying in front of him in certain situations. Coming off the pick and roll, it's going to be tough for anybody to stop Simmons, and that's why they use him like that. Definitely. Um, it's not like you've got to worry about him shooting the free ball.
1: Right. So He wh- hit one,
0: though, recently.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, he hit one. He hit one. So wh- what do you think that the Celtics' path to winning these games against Philly is?
0: I mean, I said this coming into game one, and I think this is going to be the method I'm going to stick with moving forward against Philly. You've got to try and beat them in transition, and you've got to just keep putting them in pick and rolls, coming off your pin downs, and just constantly stay in motion. If you start running half-court sets and trying to make plays from broken plays, they're going to lock you down. They're going to eat you alive. You need to catch this team. When they're in rotation, start looking for seams, looking for backdoor cuts. Try not to trap too much because you're going to leave somebody else open and most of their players can score. So it's all about just keeping that team moving, keeping them switching, keeping the rotations going, a lot of dribble handoffs. And then just try and get, just keep passing the ball until you find the open man. Once you start slowing the game down against this team, they're, they're going to lock you out and you're going to see a lot of bad shots.
1: Definitely. I I totally agree with you. I think that you need to get out and transition as much as possible against this team. And the way that that starts is getting stops on the other end. And like we mentioned, Philly being 27th in turnovers, the third worst team there. uh, You definitely will be able to do that if you play physical against them, but also them being second in assists. They move the ball extremely well. So I think that, like you mentioned, you don't want to... You don't want to double team too often, but when Embiid is down there, to me, Embiid is the difference maker for Philadelphia on offense when it comes to playing Boston because of that matchup against Tice. That is far from
0: ideal, um, especially. The one thing I will say though is our wings do a really good job of stunting down in the low post. They really do. They, they really do a great. Do. They do a great job of just add, applying that extra bit of pressure while not leaving their man open for long for long periods of time. Uh, we do it exceptionally well probably one of the best teams in the league at just adding that pressure when we stunt on guys down low Hopefully especially when you're win. helping
1: off of a guy that's not a shooter you know
0: yeah i mean it happens a lot dude like um and i know every team does it every team stunts on a guy in the post but i just feel like we keep our coverages really well we I've, it's rare you'll see one of the wings over commit
1: Yeah, and I just think you need to make him beat a passer. I think that's what needs to happen on the defensive end of the ball. And like you said, get out in transition, really make Philadelphia turn the ball over. But the next time we're going to see this matchup is Thursday, December 12th on TNT. So definitely keep an eye out for that one. You got any other notes on Philadelphia here, man?
0: Not really. Just forget Philly, dude. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Agreed. I want to pretend like Horford's not on that team. Still breaks my heart
0: yeah every time
1: but yeah that's going to be this new segment that we do the smart of war and
0: brendan did miss one team off that list that we will be covering and that's the uh the memphis grizzlies
1: oh you're right yeah we're going to keep track of memphis as well who john morant is out for a while there week to week with some back spasms. get the cameras off the court people um Yes, we're going to keep track of them, obviously, because the Celtics have the Memphis pick 1-6 to six protected this year. And if it does not convey this year, it is unprotected in next year's draft. So, good call there. Definitely missed out that we will be covering them as well. Yeah, but usually, like I said, we'll have a guest on to do this with us and be able to dive in a little bit deeper on the team that they watch every single game and cover themselves. So look ahead to that one but i think that's all we got for this man
0: yeah man i mean we're done we're gonna we've got a special guest for monday's episode i'm not going to tell you who he is because that'd be spoiling the surprise it's going to be a good one you're gonna have to tune in to see who it is brendan you got anything you want to say before we say au revoir
1: that is all that i got man
0: okay well we did the dirty job
1: yes we did i try to think of something like french to say i got nothing bleu! i don't know what that means sounds like sacramento to me
0: bleu! it's like oh my god
1: interesting Interesting. i think that's
0: what i use it for anyway (laughs) oh god (laughs) means some crazy the thing that you don't even realize dude like france is like i can get to france on an underwater train um is that true Yeah, we have the Euro Tunnel. It goes under the under the um, the the water. It's an underwater train. It's in a tunnel, but it's underwater.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: It's like forty pounds. It's like fifty dollars. Wow. It takes like an hour.
1: So, hour do you like? Is it like a glass tunnel? Possibly. Like, can you see the water?
0: No, dude. It's dark.
1: Oh, it'd be so sick right if
0: you could edge. see around. It's right at the bottom because it's like, um it's the English channel. So it's like, it's quite a big body of water, but people swim across to France for like charity and stuff it takes like six to eight hours, but it funnels out into the ocean. So like you are quite deep down and there's like, sh- not deadly sharks, but the sharks and stuff in there. So no, it's all blacked out. Okay. That's definitely interesting. Go. It's called the Euro Tunnel. Pay $100, you get a train ticket. You can travel all around Europe on that ticket, and you can use that Euro Tunnel as well. Shoot. There you go. There you go, guys. And now you can go and scout all the Euro players you want for 100 bucks plus flights to Europe. And with that, we're going to leave you to it. So say bye, Brendan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.